everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a beautiful weekend here in D.C. We're just back from Arizona and California. We mm-hmm. visited our kid at college. And, uh, and our and other that, kid. And we met our new grandson out in L.A. Yay. Uh, so that's why you heard a repeat last week. But... I, I have to say, of all the things, and we had a blast. We were staying in Santa Monica at the proper hotel. It was great. But we had the most amazing donuts. What was the name of that place? Okay, it's called Sidecar, but I feel like you're really rushing through. You're sort of yada, yada, yadding yada, over yada, yada. the whole trip. So if you're going on a trip with- I can't with, get through a show without being disciplined. I love it. If you're going on a trip with me, chances are you're going to be eating really well. Because one of the things I like to make sure of when I travel is that I eat- well, David is the beneficiary of that, but it's so ingrained in him that he doesn't even realize how grateful he should be for well, how well he's eating because I'm a throughout the week. Uh, so we did hit some really amazing places. Tucson does have a really interesting uh, dining scene, and we ate very well there. Uh, but I really want to bring up some of the places that we hit in L.A. First, we did eat at Sidecar, which is this incredible donut place. And as a God meh, in heaven. Donut eater, like I'll eat a donut, but I don't really care about donuts. Um, I care about these donuts. They're cake donuts. They're gooey. They're yummy. Ugh, they were delicious. I almost swallowed my hand when I was eating them. We also got to check out uh, a new addition that opened up during the pandemic on Main Street in uh, Santa Monica called Crudo e Nuno, and that was a terrific seafood restaurant, Italian seafood. It was amazing. And we also got to go to Cassia, which is a fantastic Singaporean restaurant, also in the heart of Santa Monica. And Nobu, Santa Monica. Oh, no. Not uh, Santa Malibu. Monica. Malibu. We ate at Nobu Malibu. And honestly, if you're going to eat at any Nobu, Nobu Malibu is one of the most beautiful scenic places to dine anywhere in the world. And I only had to sell one kidney. <laughs> to pay for the to bill. To pay for the bloody meal good okay. lord all right let's go so on let's get show. going so we got a great show today of course we're going to talk to mitch berliner from central farm markets and find out what's happening for halloween and all the great stuff that's there otherwise and every time the market opens uh the awesome annual except for last year of course shuck it festival is back on october 23rd at tony and joe's it's oyster lots of other taste treats beer and more uh greg Caston, who's ceo of pro fish and of the uh the uh, Fish and Fire Group, restaurants you know like Tony and Joe's, uh, is here along with his new, beverage the director. Point. And the new The Point. And the new The Point. The new we ate there, the and it was point. good, baby. Okay. All right. So Maryland's 2019 Chef of the Year, Chef Ashish Alfred, or Chef Al as we call him, is here. He's created a bunch of award-winning restaurants in D.C. and Baltimore, including... The one we love, Duck Duck Goose. Duck Duck Goose. I want to know why we picked that name. He's here talking about a new restaurant opening up. Ashley Ferran is the CEO of In Good Company. They're innovators in the world of reusable packaging. She's going to talk to us about an award she recently won and that whole reusable movement. Um, And Hell's Kitchen finalist, Chef Declan Horgan, is with us. He was ill a couple of weeks ago, but he's recovered back here. Thank uh, And he'll be the man in the kitchen when Jack's Ranch opens soon in Tyson's Corner. Uh, and we're going to try some. He's got barbecue sauce. He's got I all know. Kinds I of keep stuff. wanting to say Jack Slim's like Pulp Fiction, but it's not, right? <laughs> I had to look it up today. I was like, what That's was it called? That's because she thinks I look like John Travolta. What was it called? All right, Mitch. Mitch Berliner, Central Farm Markets. How are you doing today, Mitch? Wonderful. Thanks for having me once again. We love being on your show. It's always great to we have you. We love having you. So let's talk, um, Mitch. I will tell you, in Santa Monica, we went to the farmer market out there, and they had, um, what's the name of that uh, corn fungus, the corn smut? You I could, know what you're talking about. That yeah, you could they, buy it fresh. It was $15 in a year. It was not cheap. I mean, but talk it was about pretty fabulous. delicious. Corn smut. It's called corn smut. Sounds kind of sexy. So tell us what's at market. Okay, well, thank you. First, I'll remind all the listeners out there that, uh, of course, Central Farm Markets are your Halloween headquarters. We'll be giving out apples, 
to all the children so that because we know they're going to get plenty of candy from their neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about seafood and pro fish. Well, we have pro fish at all three of our markets every single week. Right, ProFish is at your market every Greg, single week. Greg is preening like a pigeon <laughs> on a phone wire. Yeah, today I got some uh, crab meat from them, Arctic mm -hmm. char. Um, I can't wait to have it with uh, open hands, uh, squidding pasta for mm. dinner. I want to remind your listeners also, we're dog friendly. Unlike lots of farmers markets in the area, dogs are welcome in our market. We have lots of treats for them. And it's we have the first fennel of the season. We've got beautiful flowers, dahlias everywhere. And we've still got all kinds of summer and fall produce. So we've got summer squash. We've got fall squash. We've got tomatoes. So um, Mitch, um, earlier you, you said you are, you are the place for Halloween. What is it that you all are doing for Halloween? Well, we've got pumpkins and gourds and everything. So when you can, you, fans of farmers markets can come out and buy directly from the farms and uh and i also want to remind it might seem a little early but i want to also remind all the listeners to start thinking about ordering their turkeys for thanksgiving for thanksgiving yep good um, idea so, all right uh, mitch tell everybody limited, where yeah, they can find you a limited number so absolutely um remember centralfarmmarkets.com we're downtown Bethesda on the parking lot of Bethesda Elementary School every Sunday today. And then, of course, on Saturdays, we're Pike and Rose. Excellent. So come on out and visit us, everybody. Okay, Mitch. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mitch. See you next week. All right, Dennis, step up to the bar there. Hi, guys. So, I mean, Greg in particular is an old, old friend of ours and not old, you know, chronologically, well, just, uh, you know, I mean, we met him in elementary school, but he's a longtime buddy of us and of Speak the show. And uh, <laughs> okay. And you're the you're the impresario, really, behind this great event that raises important money for um, the Earth Conservation Corps. Uh, talk about about kind of the genesis of this whole event. Well, so shuck it. You know, we always have fun tongue in cheek down there at uh, Tony and Joe's on the water. We're always trying to laugh it up and enjoy the day. Uh, Shuckett is really a celebration of all things local. Um, we're, you know, specialized in seafood. And, of course, the oyster is such a great organism, and it, it, it gives so much back to the environment and does so much wonderful things uh, that we want to celebrate uh, what the oyster is. And today there's so many small boutique oyster farmers who are looking for that avenue to get their product out um, or at least over the last 10 years. That's how it sort of came to be. And then we followed that up by watching the beer market kind of do the same thing. And we said, hey, why not merge these oysters, two wonderful beer, things? Beer, oyster. oyster, beer, and fun. They all right. go together but and you Greg, can do I feel that. like you can really talk to a little bit, uh, not to go down too much of a rabbit hole, sure. but there has been a huge uh, resurgence of oyster farmers, especially on the in the Atlantic region. There's but, no doubt about that. Right? The, and so is it because people realize they were natural aquifers or it's a good business model? I mean, what do you think it is about the the uh the I don't know what the word is, like the, the reemergence of renaissance. the, the renaissance? oyster renaissance. Yes, That's a big of oysters. Word. So yes. well, first of all, it takes three years for the oyster to get to a harvestable size. Right. So part of what you're feeling is people haven't been in the business or who have just gotten in it. Um, it's a tough business to make money in. There's a very few that have excelled and, and really grown and, and, and built their business. There's also a lot of people that just want to get back to basic, easy living. And that's what it can be if you want it to be. And so there have been numerous people who have tried to do it commercially and numerous who have just tried to do it because they love it and they want to give back to the ocean. And through that, there's probably... 200 independent oyster farms wow. on the East Coast at this Isn't that point amazing? Now. And I, I actually sit on the uh, Northeast Regional Aquaculture uh, Board, and that's all it is, is oyster farm. That's the only fish farming of substance on the East Coast from Virginia so all the way up to the Mass. world really is your oyster. The world right. is our oyster. So okay. we're going to be talking to Greg and Dennis throughout the show, but Dennis, pony up to the mic right, there. You bought a bunch us, of local beers. Yeah, what are you pouring first? Tell us first? what's our first beer. Uh, the first beer we're going to do today is uh, DC Brow Pills. Yay, so we're going to work Brow. from lightest to darkest. Um, try three today. Um, and obviously, DC Brow is a 
kind of a staple for D.C. breweries, so why not start off nice. with them? Well, it is one of the originators right. of the uh, reemergence of craft brews in the D.C. area, so it's a perfect right. one to start with. And okay, as great. beverage director, I'm glad you came in sober today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so if you'll pour a little taste for everybody in studio, we'll get on to Chef Al. All right, Chef Al, Maryland's 2019 Chef of the Year is sitting right next to me. Chef, uh, Chef Ashish uh, Alfred, or Chef Al as we call him, is sitting next to me. You've created a bunch of award-winning restaurants, including Duck Duck Goose, which is a monster. It's great. <laughs> uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your background and about how all Let's this got started? Let's talk pre-COVID, and then we'll talk yeah. about today. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, so, yeah, I opened Duck Duck Goose. The first one opened about seven years ago now. We're coming up on seven years. and. I was lucky. I had a great team of people around me. I think it was a great concept. Um, Bethesda, there was nothing like it in Bethesda yet. Um, and about two years in, right when I started to get that right, I said, why don't I come do this in Baltimore? So I went to Baltimore into Fells Point. We found a great Did space. you look to go to Baltimore or did Baltimore come looking to you? A um, little bit of both. Okay. Uh, so I, don't I knew be so shy. <laughs> well, no, because I think when people in real estate see that you have a decent concept, yeah. they're like, I think you can replicate it in this market. Sure. I mean, they do suss that out. We, you know, we went there, and there was all like the horror stories about you know the, the riots in Baltimore and don't go to Baltimore. And you know, I got to be honest, it's my Baltimore. it's my highest grossing store. Um, really? And uh, we and you're in Fells Point. I'm in Fells Point. Mm -hmm. um, so you're right next to the the new development that uh, Kevin, what's his name from. Um, um, Kevin Plank? Yeah, yeah. Kevin Plank from... Um, um, no, he's a, he's a couple blocks up the road. No, but yeah. Port Covington is, is Port sort Covington of the next is on the other over. side of, yeah, on the, other no side of the, the tunnel. David doesn't know Baltimore at all. Yeah. Go ahead. Come by. I'll give Baltimore, you a tour. Baltimore, Ohio. I'll give you a tour. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, so you... Opened so up open in, in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, we were really well received there. Uh -huh. um, the the community there was great, just like the Bethesda community was. And, right. Um, you know, is it little like it is in Bethesda? I mean, like how many seats little is, is a subjective term. Okay, how big is Bethesda? When you have it's big it. enough. Okay, <laughs> no, no, no. How many seats is Bethesda? Uh, Bethesda is 50 seats. 50 seats. 50 in and out? In and out. Okay, great. So and Bethesda then what do we got in Baltimore? Square feet. Baltimore is about 2,500 square feet. Oh, so it's bigger. Yeah, Baltimore mm. is bigger. And then D.C., which is coming right up in, in DuPont. DuPont Circle. Uh, D.C. is even bigger. I think we've got 112 seats we counted yesterday Ooh. inside and outside. Okay. Uh, so right in that sweet spot where you can still get kind of fancy and still make money. Okay, so we have to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about what that looks like I for you. I cannot wait. Okay, great. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Okay, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Chef Al about Duck Duck Goose and other projects. Come. Why Duck Duck Goose? That's a game I used to play when I was in elementary school. It's a game I used to play when I was in elementary school, probably just a year or two after you. Yeah, that's right. before I knew what Goose meant, <laughs> right. and now I wouldn't play it. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I wish I could say there was some stroke of genius. There was not. I looked at the first menu I wrote for the place, and there was duck, and there was duck, and there was some iteration of goose. So I called a friend of mine who's been in restaurants for a long time, and I said, hey, what do you think about the name Duck Duck Goose? She goes, shut up. Don't call anybody else. Right. Call your lawyer. Right. Copyright it. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry, copyright it. Uh, and, and it's been a blessing ever since. So. Okay, so let's just talk for those who haven't had the pleasure of either dining yet in Bethesda or Baltimore, just a little bit about the concept and the kind of food you're serving there. Sure. Uh, Duck Duck Goose is, uh, you know, if you look at the website, it says modern French brasserie. But, right. you know, we play the hits. You've got French onion soup. We do steak frites. We do steak au poivre. We just do everything in a very pretty, dainty, modern way. It is very pretty. Yes. And it is very modern. That you is know, that absolutely true. That is a true. replication of you. Pretty and dainty, don't you oh, think, Oh, David. Thank you. <laughs> I think that he means it as a compliment. Of course. Um, but so now... As you go move from location to location and you're getting bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. let's talk about DuPont. Where is it in DuPont and what, you know, doubling the size, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, uh, so we're at the corner of 21st and P. Okay. Uh, right what was there before? Uh, there was a restaurant called Vintage 78. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know um, exactly where it is. I, I hadn't been there before, but mm -mm. Um, so we walked into a second generation space, which kind of made it easy for us, too. It wasn't a total build out. Yeah. Uh, or so we thought. That's and then I got started. I know. I was going to say, famous last words. <laughs> yeah, you won't have to do much work here. <laughs> um, and it's a great it's a great little community. I mean, we every time I'm out there, people are always stopping by. They can't wait for us to open. And uh, there's a beautiful little coffee shop called Emissary Coffee right there. There's uh, one of the Chicos has has an outlet right there. There's a great little Italian Chico, sorry. Yeah. Um, there's a great little Italian sub shop right there next door. So just a fantastic community. We're excited to be there. Well, and I think especially where you are there, that street, 
it used to have it was known for great restaurants yes. like like 25 30 years ago do you mm-hmm. know what i mean as a great place for neighborhood restaurants mm-hmm. so i think the, the bringing it back is mm-hmm. terrific you know with chico there and your pizzeria paradiso there like mm-hmm. it's just it's slowly coming back which is so nice and that that is a huge residential community yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know for me that's what was attractive when i when i came to dc um, the brokers kind of shopped me around all the, the the hot spots, like the more touristy traps and the big. That's never been my thing. For me, mm-hmm. I want to be the place you go to on a Tuesday and a Saturday. Right. Um, you know, for me, we've we've done well because we've catered to the community, we've catered to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's probably the second most dense uh, neighborhood for residential yes. down there. So that's amazing. So as you're doing that. You must be thinking a lot about how uh, the restaurant world has changed in the last almost two years. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you bring that to a new restaurant? Is it, I have to do more outdoor, I have to rethink my takeout menu? How do you take everything you've learned Mm -hmm. and apply it to opening a new restaurant? You know, for me, I did not open this restaurant and like think about, oh, well, how are we going to run it for COVID? I think that for me, I'm just forever the optimist. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, this is going to end. People are going to get vaccinated. That things will get back to normal. Um, Mm -hmm. We definitely, we have thought more and more about our our takeaway program and our carryout program. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were fortunate in that this space does have an outdoor patio, but it wasn't like a huge part of my thought process. If anything, COVID has done, it's it's made us kind of look in, into the business a little bit more than like how we operate. It's, we kind of took a harder look at the people that we operate with, if that makes well, sense. Well, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And how with this restaurant opening soon, uh-huh. how is that going for you? Because, I mean, the latest lament of restaurants is not only, um, you know, um, interruption of getting product, yeah. but also Service. staffing. So how is that working for you? Um, I think it's a, it's a combination of a of a lot of things. For me, um, I hate to be blunt, but... Well, you're here. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, if you treat your people well, they'll stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you create an environment that they want to stay in, mm-hmm. they will stay. Yeah. Uh, I think that the day of, you know, paying servers, bartenders, cooks as little as possible and working them as much as possible, I think those days are done. Mm-hmm. I think um, if you don't run a team-focused business, um, the writing's on the wall, and you will not have a staff that, that lasts there. Um, I think that the, the most important capital in any business is human capital, more so in the restaurant business than anywhere else. No, I think that's uh, an excellent point. I couldn't agree with you more, mm-hmm. and I think more and more people are, are thinking that way. Yeah. You know, I think the days of screaming, yelling chefs, it's long gone. Long gone. Long or, gone. And if they're not, they should yeah. be. Wait, right? Chef Declan, are you shaking your you head? Chef Declan's like, I'm a yeller. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, get over there and chop those carrots. So, okay, we have like a minute and a half left. You have something else coming called No Way Rosé. Yes, ma'am. Did you make this place for me? <laughs> I hope so. Okay. Uh, it's in Baltimore, so I know how much you love Baltimore. I do like it. I'm um, going there it's in, in two weeks. It's in Federal Hill. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll be open hopefully by the end of November, early December. Okay. Um, there used to be a bar called No Way Jose, which uh-huh. in my heyday before I stopped drinking, I used to drink a lot in. Okay. Uh, and then that place closed down. This space became available, and I said, well, why don't we call it No Way Rosé? I love it. Uh, so beautiful space, very, very cocktail-driven. Uh, super like Parisian garden. There's like trusses from the Eiffel Tower that we're replicating inside underneath the bar. Beautiful, beautiful right. spot. And you'll be serving rosé. I will be serving rosé. Lots of rosé. Lots of rosé. Lots of frosé. Okay. Um, you lose me on frosé. I'm like, uh-uh. okay. I'm All a right. purist. I like the rosé. Okay. All right. <laughs> Provencal style, please. She really likes. I, I do. I really <laughs> like it. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, tell everybody again where all your locations are. And the, where the we can ones find you online. That exist and the ones that are coming. The ones that exist are in Bethesda and in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. There is another iteration of Duck Duck Goose coming to DuPont Circle, 2100 mm-hmm. P Street. When's that? That is before Thanksgiving. Okay, great. Um, and uh, we've got No Way Rosé coming up in just next to the Cross Street Market in Federal Hill in Baltimore. Excellent. Right, Thanks so much Thank for you. joining us. Thank you. Just give dead. everybody your Instagram handle. At Chef Ashish Alfred. Excellent. Thanks so much. All right. Shuck it. Come back up to the mic. We're here. Yes, you are. So, Greg, as you guys, as Shuck it has evolved over the years, and you had to take a year off last year, like lots of big events did, how did you decide that, how did you get to doing it again this year? And like, what kind of precautions did you have to put in place? How did you, how did you flesh that out? Well, first of all, it was, it was, we really didn't want to not do it last year. It's really a shame that all these festivals have been knocked out. Shuckett's pre- predominantly an outside festival. And we did uh, cut the number of, of top tickets that we're going to sell, the number down by about 20%, just to be 
sure that it was not overcrowded, more for a confidence builder for people who may come. Um, but we, we really wanted to get back to people coming out to the restaurants and, and out to see and enjoy just being together. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we had is this annual event, and we made sure we wanted to, we put that back. Uh, we made sure that we got it back out in the, in the public domain so that people would have a reason. We have great bands with Jumping Jupiter and some other people playing with us behind there, and it, it, it's just a lot of fun, and I think people need that, or we did. Right. Uh, frankly, my staff needs it to some degree because it's it's actually kind of an easy one to work from the staff standpoint, Dennis. Um, huh. And let me just mention, <laughs> Dennis just fell over. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and let me so just so you're, not, you're not carrying the beer out there, are you? Yeah, no, exactly. Right. Or the oysters. Yeah. But uh, let me reiterate what Chef Al said. Dennis has been with me for almost 32 years, mm-hmm. and it is a people business. And one of the reasons why most restaurants are successful is because they have people that love what they do that work in them. And when I find gold, I try to keep he it. He looks like he's 15. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And I he, wish. he looks like he can beat the crap out of me, too, which is <laughs> why I say things like that. But that's why we celebrate chucking. I mean, like I say, it's it's one of those we have eight chuckers and, and people pouring beer, and it's less of a sit-down type meal and more of just a frolicking, fun type event. And so we wanted to do that. Well, that's a perfect segue. So... People are pouring beer. We Correct. talked about DC Brow. Right. What else did you select? Because all the beers you're pouring are local, right? So does that, when you say local, does that mean Maryland, Virginia, and DC? Correct. Okay. So which one are you pouring next? Next one I'm going to pour nope. is from uh, Old Busthead. It's called Vixen. It is an Irish style red ale. Where are they out of? They're out of um, Virginia, and it is Vint Hill, Virginia. Vint Hill. Okay. Old, cool. Old Busthead. There's Old a winery Busthead. out there too. Yep. All right, great. Well, while you're pouring that, we're going to bring on our next guest, Ashley. Ashley Ferran is CEO of In Good Company. They're uh, a leader, a real, an innovator in the world of reusable packaging. Uh, her company was recently honored at the inaugural National Reuse Awards. They're called the Reusies. Reusies. Uh, and it celebrates a world without waste. So, Ashley, welcome to the show. There you are. Hi, Ashley. I see you on the screen. Hi. How, How are, are you? How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. So, Ashley, let's sort of get into this concept. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about on the show of, you know, getting rid of waste. But then, you know, with the pandemic and COVID, there was so much waste because all of a sudden all these proper, you know, restaurants, Everything especially, and the Amazons, the Targets, like all those places, everybody was ordering. So, like, the cardboard, the boxes, the the you know nothing was reusable so how did you take what your initial business concept was and evolve it yeah sure so um just a, a little context to let the listeners know what we do so we partner with uh, beloved local chefs and restaurants to create meals that are designed for uh, great dinners at home mm-hmm. and we do everything in a way that's really good for the planet um great experience and super fun. And and a big part of that is um, our reusable and returnable packaging. So prior to the pandemic, I was focused uh, specifically on how to create uh, systems for cities where we could have shareable models of reusable and returnable packaging. I mean, Mm -hmm. imagine every time you go in and pick up that, you know, salad to go or coffee in the morning and you get your food or beverage in a container that you use for five minutes, 10 minutes, and then, you know, it goes in the trash and it's going to exist on this planet for a thousand years. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Thinking about how um, a little bit absurd that is and how could we create a system that was easy for people to tap into. Um, the pandemic definitely shifted things for us, you know, a lot of the ways in which we were looking at, you know, implementing it changed when we all had to, uh, you know, start not going into the office or, you know, eating at home more. And so we took that idea and said, Hey, how could we help local restaurants get food in the hands of their customers in a way that doesn't necessarily come with all of that packaging. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what we do is we work with the restaurants to create these signature, they're mostly entrees that come in stainless steel containers. Think of that, almost that old milkman model. Mm -hmm. The items get delivered to your door. There's no cardboard boxes or ice packs or anything like that. Um, You actually pop them into your freezer. When you're ready to eat them, it's really cool. The meals often go from freezer to oven to table. 
Um, and then you just hang on to that container. And when you order from us again, you give the uh, steel containers back. We have them washed, sanitized, and then they go right back out to that next restaurant to be filled with another delicious meal. Is there a, a, a benefit or, or some sort of a gimme for encouraging people to return the packaging? Yeah, so um, we we want to make it as accessible for people to order the meals. And right. we found that people are really into the program and wanting to give them back. So what we do is we give people 60 days. And if they don't return the containers to us within 60 days, then we do charge a fee. Almost like, remember the days of Blockbuster, right? You right. could rent a movie for a low cost. And then if you didn't return it after a certain period, you had to pay the bill. Or the public library. <laughs> but okay. uh, for us, that model, you know, really makes it accessible where people don't have to see an extra, you know, 20, 40, $60 on their bill to enjoy the food, as long as they're kind of a, you know, a good friend and they give the containers back. Which makes sense. Ashley, we have to take a quick break. Just uh, give us a sec. We'll be back right back to you. This is David and Nikki Nellis. How are you zeroing your waste? We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast talking to Ashley Ferran, whose company is a leader. It's in, called Good Company. In Good Company. In Good Company. In Good Company. In Good Company. The leader in reusable packaging. Um, uh, Ashley, I, I guess next question is, about the packaging itself like how did you come up with stainless steel how did you how did you develop all this right how, well it's you, a process yeah well you know to be honest uh the packaging that we have now was you know a bit of looking at you know we were all going through the pandemic and mm -hmm. the idea for in good company kind of spun up quickly and we wanted to create a solution uh, for restaurants, a way to partner with restaurants kind of as quickly as possible. And so I found our current packaging through a lot of research. I had spent about two years looking at reusable packaging uh, before I started in Good Company. And um, at that time, we were focused on a different type of to-go box. But um, I knew a lot of suppliers. And this was a container that had already been sold for people to purchase just for at-home using. And we decided to repurpose it. Um, stainless steel is amazing. There's no plastic in our packaging. It's super durable. Um, it's incredibly sanitary. So when we get those containers and we bring them to the washing facility, they're really easy to clean. They can be, you know, sanitized. They go through a high temperature dishwasher. There's no concerns around health and safety, you know, uh, Stainless steel is a standard in kitchen restaurants. Mm -hmm. So it really checked a lot of boxes of being, um, you know, durable, plastic free, reusable, returnable. It's fully recyclable at the end of life. And it's uh, an incredibly, you know, safe choice from a health and sanitation. Well, I think also people are reticent to throw it away. In other words, the people that are really lazy would be more likely to not throw it away because it's stainless steel. It's right. A, you know. But let's talk about how Absolutely. you work with chefs to repurpose their food to be frozen. Uh, Cause yeah. I think that's not always an easy jump for people in the restaurant industry. You know, they want to tweezer their food and put it on the table. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I like to say we're kind of reclaiming that freezer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us have some uh, stereotypes around what frozen food is and maybe it's not the healthiest or the freshest, but you know, hey, listening to the um, you know, the partners that you have from, from um, Central Farm Markets and mm -hmm. other places, like I think of the freezer as a way to uh, enable chefs to use fresh ingredients at their prime, seasonal products, um, and create the dishes and then freeze them in a moment of time that is going to be the best experience for customers, right? So mm -hmm. you can make a fresh pasta dish or a braised meat dish or a soup using fresh ingredients, local ingredients, you blast freeze it, which is what we do, and it locks everything in at that exact moment in time. Mm -hmm. And then when customers at home are ready to enjoy the meal, they can um, gently reheat it on stovetop or oven, depending on the dish. And then it goes from, you know, say oven to table in five minutes. Right. So that ultimate experience for people is often so much better than, let's say, a lasagna that was cooked in a restaurant, put in the back of an Uber, driven across the city for 45 minutes. You right. get it at home. You probably put it in the microwave. 
Um, so it's been having a conversation with chefs and restaurants about um, understanding, and a lot of them see it, a lot of chefs actually use the freezer in their own restaurant to make sauces or to prep ingredients and have them ready to go. But now imagining how to use that same tool to create more of a finished dish, mm-hmm. um, exploring you know, what that means, and then talking about the customer experience and you know, curating our menu to uh, focus on dishes that do naturally freeze well. You know, we're not trying to take a fresh salad and freeze it, right. but a lot of our meals are baked dishes, soups and stews, braised meats, um, these focal points that you can build a dinner around. Mm-hmm. And then every chef and restaurant also provides a paired recipe to go with their entree. And that's where chefs can encourage people to make that fresh side salad or, you know, saute some, you know, greens or steam a vegetable. And so we still get that kind of fresh part, um, but we encourage people to make that at home. And then we have the more hearty and robust uh, entrees that are the focal point of the meal. Well, it sounds like you're, you're just one step away from cryogenics. And Greg and I are thinking maybe we'll hold hands and jump into a large stainless steel container. So what markets are you in right now? So we launched in Southern California. We currently um, do these occasional meal drops, which is a limited edition release of Mm -hmm. dishes from top chefs and restaurants in San Diego and LA. Okay. But um, I'm actually a DC native. I spent 11 years in DC, Mm -hmm. um, really love the food scene there. And, you know, not just in DC, but DC and beyond. It's been amazing to see how many people across the country have joined our wait list signed up. We have a place you say, if you want to see in good company in your city, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, submit this form. And I really see us, you know, in the next year starting to expand outside of Southern California. And I would absolutely love um, to see in good company on the table around DC. Well, I think what's interesting from a restaurant perspective is that this is an, it sounds like an easy extra revenue stream for a restaurant if they have the space, because not all of it has to be commissary based, I assume, right? Like they do it in their restaurants. Yeah, exactly. We work with, um, you know, restaurants to, that's the main focus. How can this be a high margin supplementary revenue stream? Mm -hmm. Um, And because we're dealing with frozen and this meal drop model, what's really been great for restaurants is uh, we can, they they can batch produce the meals. So it's not like they have to make two one day and five the next day and one the next. Um, And so for restaurants, they can kind of plan when they're going to produce it, staffing, labor, ingredients. It cuts down on food waste tremendously because Mm. they can buy exactly the right amount of ingredients. Um, And so- But who freezes it? Really seen it as a valuable business addition. Do you freeze it for them? They freeze it? How does that, because you said you- do this flash freeze. Do. Does, you do it. Yeah, okay. we handle all the logistics. Uh, really, we you know we focus on the packaging and all of the branding up front, and then all of the logistics at the end. Mm. You know, having spent so much time with people in the restaurant industry, it's like you know, of course, there's so many things to do and so many things to figure out. Mm-hmm. Getting great quality, you know, uh, packaged meals to people is an undertaking on its own, and we can't ask every restaurant to figure that out for themselves. Right. We ask them to just focus on making great food. And then we handle the packaging on the back end, uh, commercial blast freezing, and the whole world that is delivery at home delivery for customers. And we do it in the most sustainable way possible every step of the way. I mean, Ashley, it just sounds amazing. You'll let us know when you do come to the DC market, please, because we'd love to learn more. All right. So tell everybody where they can find you online right now. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Uh, our handle is eat IGC, so like eat in good company. Okay. Um, and then that's also our URL, www.eatigc.com. Uh, if you want to show us some love, we love to hear how people are making or what they're interested in seeing for more sustainable choices. And you can also join our wait list. Um, and that's just a good way of letting us know that if we come to DC, you'd like to join the club. Excellent. All right, Ashley, thank you so much. Um, it's an amazing company. I love what you're doing. So we hope to see you here in D.C. soon. Thing, uh, reuses program, which you mentioned in the yes. beginning, but um, thank you so much. Excellent. Thank, thank you. you. All right. All right. Back so. to Shuck It. Back to Shuck It. Okay. So, great. get in front of the mic. You so got it. So let's talk about the event itself and some of the oysters that you're going to be having there. 
Um, well, again, everything is local in terms of oysters and and what we're doing. So, so we're what, gonna, what's the region when we say local? So lo- local for us would be the the mid Atlantic region, being uh, Maryland, really Maryland and and Virginia, mm-hmm. right? And oyster is all about the salinity and the water that it grows. That's right. No more, no less. And then the water temperature, and as water gets a little bit warmer, uh, oysters tend to get a little bit bigger. And a little more saltier in flavor, at least my experience, right? You go down to Apalachicola Bay in Florida, and they're huge, and they're, you know, they almost have a different flavor, but they certainly have a different texture. Everything in the Mid-Atlantic runs from 14 to 16 parts per million uh, salt. We have Whitestone. We have Rappahannox. We have Old Salts. Mm. Um, we have Holy Grail. Uh, all of them are small farms in and around the uh, Maryland, right in the Chesapeake Bay, which is really great water, a little, all these little back creeks and whatnot. Actually, the salinity in the water will change just within the creek, mm-hmm. which will give it a different flavor. And then Rappahannock has a device that rolls the oyster right. so that it comes out in a different uh, shape or it's a little more... Um, like uh, smooth, It's right? a little more smooth and a little more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, where they're all the same. Uniform in oh, size and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it looks good. You know, again, everyone that's working an oyster farm is trying to find their niche. Some people try to put some sort of flavoring in the water. They put a little onion in there or something. Shut up. Any, I'm, there have been really, actually, I got involved in an experiment where we tried to put beet juice and get the, uh, I did it with Rutgers University and, and what, tried make to them see. red? Make the oysters red for Valentine's Day. Didn't work as well as we want. They were a little purplish, and they tasted really weird. And uh, it, the idea didn't catch off, but on. But you know, you can have that kind of fun with an oyster when you grow it. So, our, we at Chuckett are still trying to push local. Mm-hmm. We do believe in in doing that, and the bay needs the help. And it needs the oysters, and we're getting better at it. But the more we get, the better we get. I, I have a suggestion. Why don't you try vodka next time? And they'll get so cranked, they'll just jump into your mouth. Yeah. Well, that's why we have a restaurant, so, so you can have vodka <laughs> with the oysters. Okay, so I know it is primarily a beer festival. You are featuring mostly beers. But um, right. I'm a wine drinker, in case gotcha. you didn't catch that earlier. Uh, so will you be featuring local wines? Yeah, we'll be featuring two. Um, Barbersville Chardonnay. Not a bad one Good to choice. Start. Yeah. Barbersville, Virginia, and we're going to do Lovingston Red. It's either Rotunda Red, and it's out of Lovingston, Virginia. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. Very cool. All right, well, why don't we taste the white since it's open? Okay. And uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and then we'll get into uh, Chef Declan. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast, talking to a man who has thrilled me behind the scenes here with all his stories of uh, success and stuff, Chef Declan Horgan. He's a uh, native of Ireland. He's worked all over the world. And he is the man in the kitchen at the new Jack's Ranch that's going to be opening up at Tyson's Corner in early November? Uh, the 8th of November to the public. And guys, just going to say thanks, man, for having me on. Okay. Get that microphone in front of your face. Yeah, Chef. absolutely. All so, right. so, Chef, why don't we talk a little bit about just about your background before we get to Jack's Ranch? Because... Um, uh, you know, Guy Fieri had nice things to say about you on the Food Network show, Guy's Grocery Games, but you nailed it with Gordon Ramsay on season 19 of Hell's Kitchen. Like, you're, you've are you got quite a background. Give us a little info. Yeah, so um, I've been doing this for now 27 years. I've been living in America for about seven years. And, I uh, thought that was a fake accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, pure, pure, uh, Dublin true and true. Um, my first opportunity was to get onto Guy's Grocery Games. I tried to knock it out of the park there, and then um, I got the opportunity to go on to Hell's Kitchen. Uh, with the years of training that I've been doing and cooking around the world, uh, France, Germany, Italy, um, it all tied up and uh, it all went, hit off. Like uh, went really well on Hell's Kitchen. Um, I was one of the finalists. Uh, Gordon Ramsay uh, didn't have a bad word to say about me. Which is shocking. Yeah. Not for you. I just mean, <laughs> well, you know, you, he's you know, not you're a pretty big guy. He was probably afraid of you. He's not a lovely human being. But, um, right. Um, but uh, my food spoke for itself. And then um, with some of the trials out of the 20 seasons that have been on, only about five people have ever got the four out of four taste test challenge. I got that. And then um, I'm the only person ever to get 98% correct on make it and recreate it where he creates a dish and then I have to duplicate it and mm-hmm. I got 98% correct Pretty and that's good. why I got my black jacket. Mm. Um, <clears throat> since I've come to America, I've been living the American dream. 
Uh, I managed to get my own barbecue sauce uh, made, which is FDA approved. I've got a few bottles here to give you as gifts so you can try Excellent. it. Excellent. It's uh, gluten-free, low sodium, low sugar. I'm trying to get into Walmart now and a lot of other stores. Um, also, I'm an ambassador for Permachef uh, USA, a new 100-year-old um, company coming out of uh, Mexico that are making chef uniforms at a reasonable rate, and I'm going to be working with them to do a big and tall range. Uh, we've got Kikawichi Cutlery, who I represent as well, Japanese handmade knives. <laughs> Unbelievable. You're a conglomerate. Yeah, and then um, we've got... Uh, Jack's Ranch coming up, which is just going to be wild. Well, let's talk okay, about Jack's Ranch. So, what you have all these little businesses, yeah, and then there's Jack Ranch, which is totally separate, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, let's talk about how you got in on this concept and what it is. Uh, so, I got introduced to Steve Roberts through um, LinkedIn, and then uh, we met up for an interview. He'd been researching me and finding out everything about me. Uh, the places that I've run in America, the volume that we were doing, and then the places that I've trained in, in uh, Paris, France. And uh, we hit it off. Um, it's going to be strange for people to let it sit with them that uh, I'm from Dublin, yet I'm producing Italian food in America. Mm -hmm. um, what I can say is I'm definitely going to do the Italians proud uh, through my small stints of working in uh, Italy and taking vacations there. Um, I'm bringing the food back to the basics of the product itself is going to speak for itself. Um, the food is going to be rustic, but yeah, it's going to have um, modern twists to it, modern takes to it. Uh, you will see some of the old classics, but they will just be done better. Um, I have an Arco Bellino pasta machine that pumps out 90 pounds of pasta fresh uh, an hour. So we're going to have all wow. different styles of pasta. We have. Are you doing any sort of regionally based? Is there a part of Italy that you want to focus on more than the other? You know, southern, northern, or. I'm know? gonna I'm gonna take it seasonal, and I'm also gonna take it regional. Okay. Yeah, and then some of the product is just gonna be set in stone. For example, we're gonna have uh, Chiani beef, and that's gonna be brought in from Italy. That's mm -hmm. the only meat that we're gonna use for uh, grilled steaks and whatever. And mm -hmm. um, then we're also gonna have uh, meat out of Iowa for the smokers that we have, two Southern Prides. Each one holds about 50 briskets. And then I have a Pizza Master oven. So it's for... tiny, it's really small. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a monster. The one side of the restaurant is about 300 seats without the patio. Oh my God. Uh, then we have a dedicated to go area, which has not been done before, but this is gonna kill it. We will never have a, an Uber driver in the restaurant. They'll only go to the to go area to get at their food. Mm -hmm. uh, the Roman style pizza is specific for that because it's the best pizza to travel. You'll never have a soggy pizza when you order Roman style. To so Roman style, is that more, so like there's multiple styles in Rome, right? So like there's the square cut. Do you know what I mean? That you see in all the tourist shops where they like cut it like in a square and they smash it over like a sandwich. And then there is the more Neapolitan style in Rome, but it's not as soupy in the center, yeah. right? So yeah. is that sort of what it is? So Roman style is, um, in Italy, they call it a focaccia bread. Mm -hmm. So it's um, roughly about an inch thick. I'm going to do it about an inch, an inch and a half. Uh, it's super light and crispy. Like and a pinza? Yeah, sort of like a pinza, but a pinza is cooked straight on the stone. Yeah. We, these are going to be cooked in blue steel pans. Okay. But um, with that as well, we also will be producing a type of Italian sandwich bread that we're going to do sandwiches by the weight with the Roman style dough. Uh, it's fermented longer, so it's better for your digestive system. Sure. And um, when I say it's like eating crispy clouds, this is what the uh, Roman style pizza is like. Nobody's doing it correct in D.C., um, everybody's a few people Dude, are doing it. that is a gauntlet the throne. Gauntlet is thrown. My God, no, slapped in the face. Oh my God, <laughs> that's not a problem. Um, okay. When, when they see the setup, I see that you're we here have, to make friends. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, yeah. When when they see the setup that we have, it's the best of the best equipment, uh, the best of the best of flares, <laughs> everything that we're using to produce this, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm certified in it. Uh, the owner certified in it, and then the rest of the, rest of the staff are going to be trained When you say you're it. certified, what does that mean? I went off and I did a Roman pizza skill okay. for seven days down in Miami uh -huh. uh, with one of the uh, Roman-style masters, Massimo, and uh, I trained at his school. Mm -hmm. And then also for the smoke meets, uh, we went down to Austin, Texas, and I trained with Leroy and Lewis, uh, barbecue skill, and I also went and worked with all the pit masters down there for about another seven days. So I've taken everything that I'm bringing back and we're going to do smoke meats rather than call it barbecue so our hands aren't tied. 
And then also the smoked meats have a bigger connection to Italian food than anybody well, understands. Speaking of which, what's that? So that this is what I brought in. It's okay. a, a little um, osabuco cooked in a, an Irish amber ale Good and um, some lovely uh, roasted butternut squash um, puree. And then in that is uh, some homemade dumplings and some butter beans and whatever for everybody to oh taste. Oh, God, it sounds terrible. Mm, yeah. <laughs> One question. Where in Tyson's Corner? Because Tyson's Corner is a pretty big it's massive. complex. Where? So we're right um, the Greensboro Metro is right in our doorstep. Uh, we're on the Route 7 line in um, Tyson's Corner. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 1755 Tyson Central Street Okay, is the actual address for the restaurant. Is it a new building? Uh, it's right at the bottom of the Lumen Apartments, which is about a year year old. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah where it is. Uh-huh. We have something like 85 um, valet car spaces booked for anybody that comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have a valet service. We have parking outside as well. Um, Are you doing lunch and dinner? Uh, to start, we're going to start with just dinner sure. and the to-go area, but then gradually build it up to uh, mm-hmm. lunch and brunch. A little bit of a late-night menu. The happy hour is going to be huge. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of souple for the happy hour, which is more than just arancinis. Um, been researching it now for over a year, so there's a big few surprises for people to see when they come out and test the food. Um, and how big is the menu? Um, so we're breaking it down into sections, um, like a classical Italian menu. Mm-hmm. And then um, it won't be like five pages deep. But what I am going to do is um, there will be specials then as more artisan Italian produce is sent to me. I'll work with that produce to produce more specials. And then depending on how they go, they go on the menu. Mm-hmm. And then with that, uh, the menu will change when we open up the patio, which should be another 140 seats. <laughs> and then oh my God, you're like stressing out my entire body when I hear that size. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like today Tyson's Corner, tomorrow's the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Um, yeah, it's just the the whole setup of the restaurant, the quality of uh, the furniture. Well, are there other Jacks? Uh, right. So- are there other Jacks? And why is it called Jacks Ranch? Right. So there's no other Jacks Ranch, but there is a Texas Jacks, which is uh, connected to them, which specialize in. Uh, smoked meats and barbecue down okay. in Arlington. Uh, the reason that we're calling it Jack's Ranch is after a famous uh, Virginia cowboy called Jack Amombo. Uh, that when the trains went all the way across America, there was no need for cowboys to herd the cattle. So he brought his prairie show on the road and uh, it started to get world famous. Then he invited over a ballerina called Josephine, who was a world famous ballerina from oh, Italy. Oh, Moriachi is her name. Yeah, she's yeah. Italian. She and was. She was the lady, supposedly, that brought the can-can to America. So that's the connection between... I thought the can-can was French. Am I yeah, wrong? But, but you, she was you, in Europe at the time, so uh-huh. not just... Matahari was not from India, so, you yeah. know, I mean... Right. you know. But, um, yeah, um, she, um, she ended up coming over to America. They fell in love, they got married, and they were probably the first movie stars in America. So that's our connection to uh, the American ranch and mm-hmm. the Italian food is between Jack and uh, Josephine. Well, so now that you're like knee deep in uh, this sort of cooking Italian food and doing the pastas, is there like a pasta shape that you're like, this is my favorite pasta shape right now. And is there a sauce that you love to do with it? Um, so there's some pasta dishes that nobody has seen or heard of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Italians would know about them. They're old school dishes, but I'm going to reinvent them. Uh, one of them would be uh, super thin layers of uh, pasta sheets laid down. And then in that, you put uh, prosciutto cotta and then um, layer another sheet of pasta over it, patting it down so there's no air bubbles, cut mm-hmm. it irregularly, and then you finish it with a Parmesan cream. After you cook it, the ham sticks inside the pasta. It's an old style ravioli, but not really a ravioli. And then uh, the Parmesan cream, finish that with some uh, crispy chorizo, some gremolata on top. And salivating. And you didn't bring days. that? I mean, seriously? Uh, no. Not yet. Pasta machine's not working yet. But uh, okay. I could have done it at home, but then the, uh, my apartment CEO would have probably kicked me out of the house for okay. making a mess. All right, Chef, yeah. tell everybody, please, where they can soon find you uh, at Jack Rabbit. No, not Jack Rabbit. Not Jack Rabbit. Jack Ranch. I Jack's keep thinking Ranch. of the other place. Sorry. So we're uh, 1755 Tyson Central Street mm-hmm. at the bottom of the Lumen Apartments on Route 7. Uh, we're going to be open to the public from the 8th of November. Okay. Um, on the 5th and the 6th, we're doing um, Friends and Family. And on the 6th, we're going to have a Celebrity Media Night, which you're invited to, obviously. Because we're celebrities. Uh, both of us? Or yeah, both of us. Just me, because... No, no. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, the celebrities that I have as well, people's jaws are going to drop when they see who I have coming. Okay. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. Well, when I go Excellent. places, okay. people often think I'm Brad Pitt. So. <laughs> yeah. In the Benjamin Buttons. No, yeah, I, yeah. I get Brendan Gleeson, but then um, I whipped off a mole because of that. I don't want to be called Brendan Gleeson anymore. <laughs> okay. <Millennial. laughs> All right. Well, we're very excited. Uh, where can they find you on Instagram? So my Instagram is at Declan76 and then also Chef Declan on TikTok if you want to check it out. Excellent. One or two of my TikToks have gone viral as well, so it's a good laugh. All right, great. Yeah. Okay. All right, Chuck a team. Come back to the oh, table. Here we All are. right. So we need to know the who, what, where, why, and when of Shuck It. When is it happening? October 23rd, Where Saturday, is it happening? Tony and Joe's, 3000 K Street, Georgetown's Washington Harbor, right on the water, overlooking the Kennedy Center with all the boats and eight shuckers and six different local beers and two different local wines. 16 different local beers. 16. Okay, 16. 16. Yeah, yeah, 16 different off breweries of and then the two wines that I mentioned earlier. It's no, from, are the, bre are the breweries going to be there and are the oyster men going to be there 100%. and women? They okay. bring their shuckers for them, so they'll represent. They'll be able to talk about their individual growth mm -hmm. uh, practices and what they do. And then the beer guys, any beer guy always likes to talk about beer. Right. So, of course they do. And tell and us. One to um, four. One to five. And are there sessions, or it's just it's, an all-day You go ticket? anywhere you want. We have a band that sort of plays, and then the, the different uh, beers and, and oysters. Are, we set tables up throughout our patio mm -hmm. area. Our inside has walls that retract, so the whole thing is exposed to the outside. Our staff is 100% vaccinated, so it's going to be a safe and fun Do you need to prove place. that you're vaccinated to come to the event? We do not. <clears throat> we discussed that, but because it's primarily outside— and our walls open to the outside, it's almost like you're outside. Okay. Um, so, no, you don't need to be vaccinated to come to this event, but like I say, all our staff is 100% vaccinated. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both for coming in today. I want to thank everybody for thank coming you. in today. Um, we're so excited to be back in D.C. after our little vacay with our family. Um, but there is so much happening in and around the D.C. area New restaurants are opening, old restaurants are reinvigorating themselves, events. The city is uh, really feeling alive. We were actually at Trevor Noah last night, and Penn Quarter was oh, just hopping. Oh, God, was he funny. So good. Um, anyway, we want to thank all of you for joining us today. Just a reminder, if you haven't been vaccinated, please do so. If you're asked to wear a mask, please do so. And remember, there is a staff shortage out there. They're not being rude. They're not being tough. It's just tough out there. Be kind to your servers. Be kind to people in retail. Be kind to people at your grocery store. Just be kind. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Come back next week. I have more delicious things for you. Of course, go to the thelistareyouonit.com, the online e-zine with everything happening in the D.C. metro area. And follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And please, everybody, have a delicious week.